Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand-new racing app for same-race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome into the Baz and Izzy for Breakfast podcast. A great morning this morning. Actually, a very happy morning. A heartwarming morning after a golden weekend at the Olympics, Baz. Yeah, 100%. We talk a lot about wanting to champion our champions and what better day to do it than after three gold medals in the weekend. So, so much to celebrate. Some amazing conversations with some of New Zealand's best Farah Palmer was on on with us. Jeff Wilson, the golden one, was previewing some some rugby, and then we had a little bit of a uh, little bit of colour with Dan Slater, Sarah Kelly Ross, and also Dylan Smith's sister Rachel. So a really awesome day on the show, and um, and one we'll look back on fondly. What about how you have ended up meeting Emma Twig's wife at a wedding on Saturday night, and then Sarah Kelly Ross actually being the one that married Emma Twig and her wife? Such a New Zealand thing to do: run into <laughs> run into an Olympic gold medalist wife at a wedding, speak to someone on the Monday who just happened to be the celebrant. Where else in the world could you get that kind of experience than right here in our very own New Zealand? Oh, brilliant stuff! Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and the SNZ app too, of course. We'll be back again tomorrow, doing it all again. Kia ora and good morning to all of our terra. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. It is Monday, August the 2nd. Yesterday's, yesterday was the horse's birthday, so happy birthday to all the horses in the Southern Hemisphere. It's just after 6am in the morning and it is a privilege to spend the morning with you. Today we're going to chat all things sport. And that includes the Olympics and everything else which has been going on around the world over the weekend. Give us a call any stage on 0800 150 811 or send us a text on 8833. No Izzy again today. He's back tomorrow. But stepping in for Izzy is the very, very talented and very, very mature and very, very smart when it comes to AFL in particular and our racing expert, Louis Herman Watt. Good morning, Louis. I think it's highly ironic that we are, um, you know, in a network which is predominantly based out of Melbourne, which there are plenty of AFL experts, and somehow you've coined me as an AFL expert. <laughs> really, I just <laughs> like to kick the sharing around, Baz. But morning to you. What a weekend and what a show we have lined up today. 
I'm jumping out of my skin for this one. Yeah, we're lucky, aren't we? And we've just got some amazing access to some some of our, our greats, and we're going to get their thoughts later on in the show, and that includes Dr. Farah Palmer, who I'm really looking forward to chatting to, Louis, because the Black Ferns in the weekend were just absolutely outstanding, and they're just wonderful role models and the way they carry themselves and just such humility as well and just a, a real... Um, there's an authenticity about them which I think on the on the global stage is, is so refreshing too. So I'm looking forward to talking to Dr. Farah Palmer and also the golden one a little bit later on, Jeffrey Wilson. Love chatting to him. I get the feeling we'll just have to pose one or two questions and then we can just let him fly because he loves talking success stories and he's got a few to talk about plus projecting forward towards the Bledisloe Cup. Plus, we've got a few others to chat to as well, Louis. We do. Sarah Cowley-Ross wrapping up a huge weekend uh, in the Olympics, which yesterday, Dame Valerie Adams taking bronze. She says it means more to her than her gold. And when she's done it without her family, she had to move to Christchurch. You can kind of see the reasons why. It's It was a pretty big weekend, like emotionally as a sports fan, Baz, I think. Um you know, as a fan, you you kind of get used to being excited and then disappointed and excited and disappointed. But this weekend, it felt like that tenfold. I mean, there was just so much emotion and so much ecstasy. Um, I kind of, I don't really know where to start. You kind of get to Monday morning, you probably... Well, it, started, it started Friday, didn't it? With the, with the gold now, really. The medal haul that we picked up throughout that hour, starting with Emma Twig and then... Obviously, the women's eights capturing silver, and then the men's the men's eights led by just what you can you have to coin just an absolute winner. He is a guy who just <laughs> knows how to win. He knows how to inspire those around him. Keeping in mind that the men's eights had to come through the rev charge to to even get their shot at glory, and then to have rowed the way they did. Now I'm no row, rowing expert whatsoever, but they look like they just had such such poise in the boat, and and you've just got to think that Hamish Bond, his ability to have been there before and done it, he just inspired those around him and just taught them how to get themselves across the line and to and to capture that gold. It was just a magnificent hour. At some stage this morning, Baz, I want to talk to you and I want to ask you about this generation of Olympic athletes we've got and the consistency of success. Hamish Bond, Valerie Adams, Lisa Carrington, Peter Burling and Blair Chuk, this kind of era... It's this professionalism and it's this consistency of gold and this golden standard, which is probably the best way to put it. And I, I want to explore that a little bit later in the show. There's, so there's so much. Just think about the Black Ferns. You made a really good point. They are this this team that just oozes charisma and personality. They were almost kind of hitting that Black Caps period where at the moment they're just you, they're golden, right? They are just they're so they're special. They're adored. They're loved. They do it their way. They play a, a way that it's very um, approachable and it's they're very endearing. It's kind of reminding me of the World Test Championship success and the way we were looking at Kane Williamson's side is a similar way we're looking at Seda Hidden's side. I think it's a great comparison, actually. It's funny, funny you said that, Louis, because on on Friday night after um, our uh, Friday Saturday night, sorry, after our um, Black Ferns girls had had lifted gold and had had achieved that in the way that they were just carrying themselves. I, I thought exactly the same thing, and I thought actually where New Zealand cricket's at at the moment, the men's uh, organisation has reached that same level. The women's situation at the moment is just struggling a little bit, and rather than looking maybe as a comparison with the Black Caps, I think they could look towards the Black Ferns and say, 
well, we want to be that. That's how that's how we want to be known on the on the international stage, and they're just inspiring so many people. And yeah, I've, I want to when we speak to Dr. Farah Palmer later on, I've got a, a a little bit of a reading from the co-captain Sarah Hidini, where I think it just encapsulates everything. I'd love to get her reaction later on. But so that was a, a great period. Um, one thing I, I was staggered by was that we reached our fiftieth gold medal, Louis in the Olympics, in the history of the Olympics. And a little bit of research tells me 14 of those have been from rowing. Why are we so good at rowing? I don't know. That is a lot. 14 of 50, and that's, that's a lot. Uh, going back to the greats, of the, the greats of the sport, we've just had, we've kind of had generations of it. It's this, I don't know, Baz, you tell me. I mean, it's it's almost like... I know it's a big thing around the country. Is it something to do with how like gritty of a sport it is? It's a tough sport, you know. It's like you, you get down there and you row until you got blisters on your hands, and it's kind of like who can hurt the most. I mean, that's where Hamish Bonds made his living, right? Who who can hurt the most and be okay with that? And there's a bit of New Zealand to that. I don't know. I mean, I guess we've got beautiful landscapes and lakes down the country. It's conducive, but I'm not sure. What do you think? Other countries do too, so I don't know. Is it the fact that we are a small country, so therefore the they're able to train together and they're able to push one another? I don't really, I don't really know. I guess that's a question we could maybe ask um, Sarah Kelly Ross later on as well. Is maybe is there is there a, a factor which just sets us apart? And I, I spoke to a, a guy yesterday, funnily enough, at the pub, Louis, and um, <laughs> and <laughs> and. And I asked that question to him, and he said, well, he went to Hamilton Boys, actually, and, and he said, the thing about Hamilton Boys is if you were if you're in the first 15 or if you're a rower, you kind of walked on water at that school. So, therefore, it inspired those to be able to give them a little bit of, I guess, social acceptance, too, that, that, um, that they were, if they were to participate in those two sports. So, whether that's right or wrong, I'm not sure, but you just wonder if that is a bit of a... A contributing factor as well, but it is a staggering stat: fourteen gold medals in rowing alone out of the fifty over the history that we've had in the Olympics, and and that's why I think as well when you put in context that we've won fifty gold medals ever over the entire Olympic history, we've won fifty gold medals, and we had two of them within an hour, and we had three of them within a weekend. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing effort from our athletes. Oh, it's just, it's really, it really is quite insane when you think about it. I don't want to dig too deep into that, but, you know, New Zealand, we are a young country. There's a lot of English influence, like a lot of, a lot of European influence. Uh, I was thinking about the eight and how they row the men's eight last, right? That is the apex of rowing. Like that's the Yale versus Stanford. That's the Oxford versus Cambridge, right? That's kind of like the pinnacle team event. It's the the kind of old-fashioned, you know, your eight strongest into the boat and they row straight. Who can outlast? Who can outstay? The fact that we put a team together that went through the rep charge was so, you know, Stephen Fleming talks about cohesion. I'd love to get Flem's take on this boat because they were so in tune. And actually, so were the women. So were the women's eight. And um, I think... I think there must be, and, you know, rowing New Zealand's had, there have been cultural issues, I think, years gone by, and it hasn't always been the happiest place down there. But they've obviously hit an absolute chord that the organisation's flying and the 
the rowers are happy, the teams, the co- the coaches are, you know, they're making sense, and there's something that's working. And I think it's a great stat. Fourteen of the fifty. Lisa Carrington's going to have a few. Or Ian Ferguson. So they're kayaking. Maybe it's just water sports. Barbara Kendall, Peter <laughs> Burling, Blair Chuk. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it is. The text machine's flying already here, Louis, as well. Always what an emotional, amazing day Friday was. Emma Twigg's perseverance and immense dedication finally came through with the dominant win. The men's eight underdog win and the women's eight the silver lining on that out. Then seeing the clips of the emotion those results meant to rowing legends such as Mahi and Eric. Wow. Then watching the tennis on a Friday evening to witness Marcus and Michael winning the bronze, New Zealand winning the tennis medal. At the Olympics, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot PS and to cap that off, the Warriors won after trailing 10 <laughs> at halftime. Richie, you are up and about on a Monday morning. We love it. That is fantastic. And, yeah, this is New Zealand too, Louis. So Friday night I went to wedding, right? Yeah. And who happens to be at the wedding after Emma Twiggs rode, rode and achieved gold for New Zealand? But Emma Twiggs' partner, Charlotte, just happened to be at that wedding. Where else in the world can you run into the partner of an Olympic gold medalist that very night than, than New Zealand? We are so, so lucky living in this country. The access to our top top-line sports people and, and the connections of them is, is just a classic sort of example of our country isn't it yeah well it's that's brilliant that is so and that's so true and if anyone ever wanted to have a beer with bears i mean there's only two pubs in matter matter so and there's a good chance he'll he'll <laughs> he'll, he'll be there so you can just go and and park up the girls play sport for the way the way it's supposed to be played love their passion and heart aussie cricket team could learn a lot from them case yeah, well, Case, I don't mind that little jibe, but I, I know what you're saying. They play with smiles on their face. Ruby Tui, she went viral on Friday, I believe it was, with this interview with the BBC where she's Ooh, just, you know, she, she's just beautiful and she's expressing everything we love about sport. And, you know, the end of it, she's like, hey, this is the Olympics. Can we just be happy? And you, you're like, <laughs> you kind of just want to cry because you're like, yeah, you know, you're like it, with all of the things we spoke about before the games and the COVID and the you know, the stress of it all. At, at the absolute nutshell for Ruby Tui, it's in the absolute heart of it, it's just trying to be happy because she's doing what she loves with people that she loves in that team. Um, I'm I'm really proud. They, they, are a, they are a total team that makes you proud to be a New Zealander. They hold themselves. They do everything just similar to the Kane Williamson's men. It, they just do everything that you would refl- you like to be reflected in as a Kiwi on the world stage. So you just kind of you beam with pride. Well, that's what I mean. We talked about a little bit on um, on Friday, and and you talk about um, playing the game for the game's sake and playing for the little boy or girl who fell in love with the game, and sometimes the external pressures and and the 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 white noise which athletes can have to deal with can sometimes suppress that the very basic element of playing sport, and that's what I that's what resonated with me was that these. That these athletes are, are doing it for sport's sake because they love the game, they love the competition, and they love representing their country, and they're just out there doing it. And they happen to have achieved along the way. Even the women's eight, they were so happy with getting second. You know, like they they were they weren't sitting there going, "Oh, I wish we had got gold." I mean, sure, deep down they probably wish they had it, but they were just absolutely delighted with the effort that all of them put in, the cohesion that they had amongst their amongst their boat and the efforts that they achieved. And the fact that they ran second, there was someone better, they were okay with that. And I think that's, again, another great example of, of 
the athletes in our country doing what they're doing on the big stage. So many good stories from the weekend, and we haven't even really touched on Dylan Schmidt, a young Kiwi lad who's decided that he's going to take on the world at tra- trampolining, and he was the first New Zealander to ever compete in the sport at Rio. It went very well, and he came back this time, and he just he said he woke up and he felt calm. His, his resting heart rate was something like 36, I think I heard on the news. It was so calm, and he said, I just knew something great was going to happen. I just felt... I felt right, and he went out there, and, and the look on his face when he knew he had bronze, it was just, again, he was proud to be a Kiwi, and then he's saying, you know, we're a cool country. I mean, look what we can do. There's just so many great stories. So his sister, Rachel, she's also a trampolinist. She knows exactly how hard Dylan works. She knows exactly what goes into being a, a trampolinist, I believe that is the phrase, at this level. So we're going to catch up with her before seven, which will be awesome. Another sibling on the show, Baz. That's right. I didn't run into um, Rachel at the pub. Not like um, Jamie Gallo, the sister of Kerry, Kerry Gallo. I, uh, this one came from you, Louis. I, did, you, did you run into her at the pub? Because no. you're also fond of going to the pub. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, Rachel's far too dedicated for that, no doubt. So she was probably... No, I, I just thought, you know, a trampolining's a sport we don't know a lot about. Dylan's done something exceptional, just like all these other Kiwis. Why don't we touch base with him and or touch base with someone that knew him and I wasn't sure was it going to be a sister whoever or a family member or a coach but Rachel's keen to come on so that's brilliant Baz hey the Warriors won as someone pointed out which is just fantastic um, that was a big effort and and also there is plenty more Olympics to get into I'm going to try to pace ourselves this morning because there's so much to get to I feel like we could just could just go and go and go and go. But we're here for three hours. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Double eight, double three is the text line. 0800-150-811 is the Kennard's Hire phone line. Get in touch on that because we want to hear from you throughout this morning. There's plenty to get to. After this, we're going to talk a bit about the Warriors and also the notion of sharing a gold medal. We'll fill you in after this. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 23 minutes past six on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Izzy Dag is back tomorrow. We cannot wait. 0800 150 811 is the Kennards Hire phone line. Give us a call. Get in touch. What an awesome weekend it was. Sorry, Louis. I'm not sure being known as the station's resident AFL expert is a good thing. Brian on double eight double three. Yeah, Brian, it's questionable, isn't it? I don't know. Is is it like a backhanded compliment slash insult, Brendan, Baz? <laughs> That certainly wasn't the intention, Louis. <laughs> it was it was an endearing uh, comment. Thanks. Anyway, you. I want to hear more. We want to hear we want to hear more from you guys as well. I've got I want to know why we are so good at rowing. I've got my theories, which are completely unproven, but maybe if you maybe you've got some better theories out there. So let us know on double eight double three. Why are we so good at rowing? Fourteen gold medals out of the 50 that our history has had, well, that our athletes have achieved in history. So give us some answers, please. Pretty big night in the track and field circuit yesterday. I see um, Jamaica trifecta the women's 100-metre sprint, which is no real surprise. They're just, man, they move fast. And then Italy won the 100-metre men's sprint. I was like... <laughs> To Italy have sprinters? I don't know. I'm just probably so conditioned to... I didn't see that. Did they really? Yeah. It was a shock, yeah. Yeah. An Italian guy got up. (laughs) So the Jamaican woman's, um, the trifecta there. 
So that that hundred meter final was gonna it was gonna be one for the ages, wasn't it? And then in fact a number of injuries for some of the fastest challenges sort of happened and then was it um there was one one girl who got ruled out because of her what a sample for human growth hormone or something came back, so she got scrubbed out the day before and then it was kind of left to the survival of the fittest. But the time that, that they ran was pretty sharp too, Louis. Time was very sharp. It was, uh, I think it was Olympic record off the top of my head. But how about this, though? In the, one of the biggest boilovers in Olympic history, that's what they're calling it, the 26-year-old former long jumper ran 9.8 to defeat American Fred Curley with Canada's Andre de Grasse uh, third. And the bloke that was replacing Usain Bolt, uh, his name escapes me, Jacobs, Jacobs, he didn't even finish in the three. So there you go. I mean, so this fella's run nine point eight to win the gold. So where's he come from? Has he has he been a challenger previously, or is he just he's just become airborne overnight? Yeah, he's just I don't know. I don't know. Lamont Marcel Jacobs. Um, I'm sure there's a bit of Italian flair in the pronunciation there. But so that happened. So that was in the tra- <laughs> the track and field. Give it a go. Give it give it a go. The no, Italian flair. I'm just not because it's just going to be insulting. So, <laughs> Come on. No, it's too early for that sort of thing. <laughs> You're standing in for Izzy and you know 100% that Izzy would give this a go. Yeah, well, wait, we're only one day away. Let's just hold. <laughs> let's, let's just, let's not stuff it up before he gets back. But the key, no. the, <laughs> oh, says you, righto. Um, the Kiwi high jump for Hamish Kerbez, he, he gave a strong account himself. He was just one centimetre behind his, um, PB to finish 10th. But get this, so the Qatari and the Italian, another Italian, that were at the top of the pile in the high jump, they cleared 2.37 metres and then they raised to 2.39 and neither of them could make it. So while it was expected they would go into a jump off because the ledger was identical, they instead decided to share gold. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one. I'm not sure about this. So what happens then? So then there's no silver? So how does it work? There's two golds, no silver, and then a bronze. Look, to be honest, I actually don't know. All I know is they're calling it a heartwarming moment of Olympic spirit. But for me, it just feels... This feels a little bit... I, I don't... I don't know, really, because if you've... This is a five-year event now. Um, four years, if you've got to that point, don't you want to like r- chance the hand? Don't you want to roll the dice and say, oh, okay, I, I want to go to a jump off. Or, but then maybe they both had to agree, so it was like a stalemate. I don't know. Yeah, I would have thought you'd definitely be trying to just have a crack, wouldn't you? Try and, try and be standing at the very top on your own rather than having to share it. It also begs the question what other sports could you could share a gold medal like for instance, the um, gymnasts last night, they both had the exact same score, but they went on countback because one one gymnast had tried a harder, the difficulty level was higher. <laughs> Listen to how bad my language is around this. <laughs> I just don't even know this. I don't even know how to talk to gymnast lark. But anyway, um, so they ended up sort of having a gold and silver split, even though they had the exact same score. So where do, where do you stop with this, with the, the sharing of gold medals? Well, I think 
in boxing they share they share the bronzes because I don't know whether they don't want them to fight again or something like that. Is that right, Joe? Something something like that, isn't it? Yeah. So, but that's a little bit different. Double eight, double three. Where do you stand on this sharing golds? And when you can, there's an easy way to find the winner. I mean, well, I guess this flashes me back to the cricket world cup final, Baz, where we were like boundary countbacks. Why don't they just share? Um, why didn't they just share the the trophy? You know, that's too soon, Louis, to be talking about the boundary countbacks. Is it? Too soon, mate. Too soon. All right. You go take a spell then. <laughs> you, just, you, you go take a, a walk around the block in Matter Matter because Trudy's coming up anyway. <laughs> We've got plenty to cover through the rest of this uh, The rest of this hour. We've got Rachel Schmidt, Dylan Schmidt's sister, but double eight, double three, sharing golds. Is that fair play or is that a little bit off a thoroughbred update with Love Racing 2 after this? But it's Trudy with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Trudy. At 28 minutes away from 7 o'clock. Baz, I don't even know where you get the other gold from. It's all very well being able to ask if you can share it, but if we find out that they're taking one of the skimming one of the eights golds or something like that, we won't be happy, <laughs> will we? No, well, that's, surely they only have X amount of gold medals to dish out for the entire Olympics. So I think come stock take at the end of the Olympics, they might be one short of the gold and they might have one little silver left over. So. <laughs> I find it a little bizarre, but anyway. <laughs> what do they do with the silver? Do they save it for next time? Remelt it and, you know? <laughs> like, is it even silver? And are they even gold? Like, Or is it just the sort of term? Um, are they, like, if you... We need someone that's got one, don't we? <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that a bit much to ask? <laughs> you, you out there? Anyone Anyone have a gold medal? Uh, 0800. No. Anyway, Love Racing time, Baz, and there's a great text here. And by the way, Love Racing uh, is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. I missed the races Saturday. How's Tavi Mack end up going Louis from Mark? Tavi Mack, Alan Sharrick's gun horse they call Frodo, Baz, lined up at Otaki. Very, very short price favourite in the end. I think it closed at $1.60 and, as expected, came off the heels of Deerfield, with about a couple, well, a furlong and a half to go, and just was too good, really. Too good. Class prevails. You know, at least three or four lengths probably at his peak better than that field. Deerfield was valiant on the inside, as it always always is. But uh, Tavi Mack is back, and he is very much in the market for the Foxbridge Plate and the Tarzino Trophy. He's a, he's a funny little horse. When you get a nickname Frodo, I think we talked about it on Friday, He um, he's a strange-looking little horse. Did you ever bet over the weekend? Uh, I had a couple of bets, but no good. I got on, um, I actually went, I punted over in Australia. I had a bit of a play on James McDonald's one in the last. Mm. But, um, no, to no avail. But that's okay. You can't, you know, punting's a long game, isn't it? You can't just sort of swing with the, the emotions of a, a win or a loss on the punt each day. No. You've in it for the long haul, so. That's right. It's not for everyone. Yeah. But I, I tell you one, I tell you what I will be doing. Louis, and that's Erin Layton. She is claiming three kilos, and she is riding outstandingly well already, um, you know, well, towards the end of last season. So in the next sort of four to five weeks in particular, I reckon she's a, a, a real follow kind of jockey, and I think you get decent odds when, when she's on board too. She already had a winner yesterday. I think she had a winner on Saturday to close out the, 
the season. So she's a must-watch apprentice jockey as well. I've actually got another one, Ellen Nicholas as well. Uh, she's claiming three as well at the moment, and she's flying. She won the Tomatanui Gold Last? Did she win the last yesterday as well? Not too sure. Can't quite recall Tom yeah, she did. She's going. Yeah, she did. She's going very well. Chisty. Yeah, there you go. There's a couple to look out for anyway. You get a bit of odds around the apprentice jockeys too, don't you? You do, yeah. and that's the kind of... You, you do quite often, if you can... But this is the thing. If you can find a good apprentice like Hazel a few months ago, like Erin and Alan now, where you're claiming that, and um, even Joe Camarudin as well still got that claim, until they outride it, you can really kind of find a, a nice lightweight chance if they get the right ride. Just quickly, the courtesy Ford Rider Stakes... Congratulations. This was written by your mate, Aaron Layton. I'm a rocker B. Karen McQuaid, well done. You've knocked off Year Boy and Cats of Charm with the two very short-priced Alan Sharrick runners, and it won with a leg in the year, really. Came off the back of Year Boy, tracked it all the way through, and it's fantastic stuff. So congratulations to Aaron Layton and Karen McQuaid. That was a great, great victory. That's a listed race win as well. $50,000 the stakes were. Love Racing is your home for everything thoroughbred. Racing, Baz. Tomorrow we have Izzy Dag back, which means we've got the return of the Quizmaster. That's right, and I'm excited about that because I think, you know, he's put me under a severe amount of pressure having to step up in his, his absence and take on the Quizmaster tag. We've had some good quizzes, but no one's quite as good as what Quizzy. The, the Master, the Quizmaster. I don't even know. How does that rap even go? I'm not sure. I, I wonder if he's got a, a little. I don't know if he's if he's got an evolution of it when he comes back, but we will find out. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Today we're playing for a fifty dollar TAB bonus bet. You can get in very simply by calling oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Get involved if you want to take on the quiz. Baz is still the quiz master, one day only, and then Izzy Dag is back. But until then, get involved. The quiz is a goodie this morning. Give us a call, and we'll hear from you shortly. 18 minutes away from seven, and it's a great point of the show where we give away something today. It's a $50 bonus bet from the TAB. Double eight, double three. Baz, this is great. They cut them in half, so they have half each. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's, How do you cut gold? <laughs> I, it's like what you use to get your bed unta- attached from the wall, wood, uh, the wall the other day or to break the bed frame apart. <laughs> angle grinder? Yeah, uh, yeah, an angle grinder. Yeah, I should have done that at the start. would have saved a lot of mess. Anyway, <laughs> done there. Well, maybe they've just got a skill saw out. Anyway, it is time for this. Quizzy Dag. A quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Or oh, this might be an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 150 811. <laughs> Very, very good. Izzy, he's back tomorrow, is Izzy, and we are looking forward to having him. Right, who are we going to get into here? I think we've got Lane. Is it Lane. Good morning, Lane. Morning, We're going to get right into this quiz. 
The New Zealand women's sevens team won gold on Saturday night. Who was the final against? Um, <laughs> okay. Um, France. Well done. Good work. Google worked quickly there. <laughs> Old Trafford is a football stadium <laughs> of which English football out. team? <laughs> What was that song? <laughs> Old Old Trafford is a football stadium of stadium of which English football team? Uh, Man U. Yep. The Northern Mystics will face who in the ANZ Premiership Grand Final this Sunday? Uh, tactics, Canterbury Tactics. Oh, getting there. What is the series score in the Springboks Lions series? Oh, I missed that, but um, I'm just going to one all. Well, that's a good guess, because it was 1-0, so you could either go on 2-0 or 1-0. Although, hey, they might have halved it like they do gold medals these days, but who knows. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, Dylan Schmidt won a bronze medal in which Olympic event? Oh, the trampoline. Well done. Outstanding. Brilliant work. So, Louis, what, what, what does Lane win? One first caller straight up in the morning. Boom, hits it out of the park. That's brilliant. All the way, led from woe to go. Good front-running ride. $50 bonus bet, courtesy of our friends at the TAB. That's a good way to start the week for the, the quiz contestants, Baz. Straight in. I thought that was... Well, no, it wasn't that hard, I suppose. I, maybe it was a bit of a soft kill. It should have made it a little bit more difficult. Maybe Izzy will come back with a bit, bit tougher quiz. It is his sort of show anyway, the quiz master, isn't it? I think you've really taken to it. <laughs> I've just been... Mate, I feel like Santa Claus. I'm just giving out gifts willy-nilly. Last week it was all the pillows. This week it's the TAB vouchers. It's Not... good giving away free stuff. Eh? Everyone loves free stuff. Everyone does love free stuff, especially when it's such high-quality free stuff. I reckon when there's a chance we have a rival quiz pop up in the show, like a rival breakaway 2020 league, commandeer <laughs> the, the quizzing. We need to come up with a catchy name. If anyone's got a catchy name for a quiz segment run by Baz McCullum, get in touch. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven as well, Baz. But after this, we're going to catch up with someone who would have had a special weekend. Rachel Schmidt got to watch her brother Dylan, a fellow trampolinist, go to the world stage and perform at the very peak. It's a great story, and it's a very interesting sport. We're about to find out a bit more about on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Seven and a half minutes away from 7am, double eight, double three, another text come through, Baz. What about the podium? Do they have to add an extension to that up the top of the podium? <laughs> Great text. And we're actually giving away a temper bed for text of the month. Yes, you heard that right. We are giving away a temper bed for text of the month. All you have to do is text in double eight, double three, any stage. The text of the week will win a temper pillow as well and the text of the month a temper bed that is a very exciting prize so keep those coming in the double gold sharing gold fair play or not it's a weird a weird wrinkle of the olympics in which we had some awesome success over the weekend Baz. yeah we did mate just on that temper bed it's really got the tongues wagging too at the pub again i just suggest that anyone that happens to be from matter matter and is wanting to win that temper bed don't put matter matter 
because otherwise there's going to be a real siren going off if you end up winning it. You're going to have to put somewhere else out there. <laughs> okay, otherwise it, people are going to start asking questions of me. Anyway, I digress again. Uh, I don't think trampoline trampolining would have been on too many people's radars heading into the Olympics, but it's fair to say that the performance of one man made everyone sit up and take notice. It was a determined and outstanding effort from the Kiwi Dylan Schmidt to claim the bronze medal. It was an epic performance on Saturday, and we are very, very lucky to be joined by Dylan's sister, Rachel. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. <laughs> How, are you How guys? special was it for you? Yeah, we're great, thank you. How special was it for you to, to have watched Dylan perform so well and to have seen him achieve what he achieved in the weekend? It was so amazing to watch him. We had a great group of people come down to the cloud and the atmosphere was so cool and just to see him achieve his dreams was, yeah, so special. Oh, that must have been so cool being able to celebrate it with all those people at the cloud as well. That looks like a pretty good time there. But anyway, um, what 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 is it in your mind which sets Dylan apart? Well, he just seems so calm and calculated with his decisions and his and his movements. Yeah, um, he has very very good mental strength, and the way that he conducts himself and can cope under pressure is incredible. He's like the hardest working person that I know. And combined with his talent, makes him yeah like a force to be reckoned with. Fair enough, Rachel. Hey, it's a pretty incredible thing to watch your sibling go to the Olympics and and like you know the stress and everything involved and and just you know do what they they believe and you believe they could do. But I'm more curious about you guys growing up because I hear you're pretty hand, handy on the the trampoline mat on the springs yourself. So did you guys grow up double bouncing each other in the backyard and that sort of thing like every <laughs> other Kiwi kid? Uh, yes, we did have a trampoline. Yes, me and my older brother, Callum. So Callum was the first one that got into trampoline and we kind of followed in his footsteps. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's was it been really cool to all be in the same sport. Callum doesn't do it anymore and I've just also hung up my leotard. But, yeah, to all be in the same sport, going on to our tours together has been, yeah, very cool. That, that's a lot a lot of time with your parents spending their hearts with their hearts in their mouths as you guys are up in the air doing flips and stuff. It's a pretty insane thing to watch on TV. The control it takes, is it is it scary when you're up there? It can be scary, especially when you're learning new skills or trying new combinations. But once your body and mind knows what to do, you don't really have to think about it. Hey, Rachel, just before... Dylan, on, um, on Saturday night, I was watching a little bit of some of the other competitors as well. And there was one competitor yep. who, who jumped up in the air and, well, obviously he was bouncing on a trampoline, but he jumped up in the air and <laughs> as he was about to land, the person on the side put the um, pad in and, and it looked like he was actually going to land on the, the, um, the actual um, trampoline. But maybe that person, whether they got a little bit um, scared that they were going to land off it or not, is that person the coach? And what's their what's their role there? Yeah, so that person is their coach, and the role is there for safety. I can imagine that the athlete is quite annoyed at their coach right now because to all of us it did look like yeah. they might have not touched the pad. Um, but it, yeah, it's a split second decision that changes Olympics. So. We'll never know. Yeah, so you saw that as well. So you saw that too, eh? Yeah. Just before Dylan competed, obviously. So, yeah. So they will be filthy, wouldn't they? 
Yeah. Fair, fair, <laughs> enough, fair enough. It's a long way. Hey, in a normal Olympic year, would you guys have been over there supporting him? How have you found the experience of cheering from afar? Yeah, so we did initially have tickets and flights over there when it was supposed to be last year, but obviously we couldn't make it over, which was a bit sad. It's been harder this time because we are not had lots of stuff to distract us with in the lead-up to him going. So it's been quite a quite a nerve-wracking few days in the lead-up. And then not to be able to be there to give him a hug was yeah, a bit hard, but we can't wait to see him when he gets out of isolation. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope everyone feels rewarded because that bronze is going to be... Well, it is history-making. I saw Dylan on the news saying he, he feels really special to be part of history. You know him so well. What will his goal be next, do you think? Oh, to win next time. That'll be his goal. Yeah, nice and simple. He, he went in Rio and he, he dipped the toes in the water and then he came back and he's, he's on the podium, so he'll go back and win. Rachel, congratulations to you and the whole family. That's an awesome result. And um, I'm, I'm really excited for you to get Dylan back in the country, give him a big hug and say well done because it's a pretty epic moment in our Olympic history. So congratulations to you all and have an awesome day. Thank you so much. No worries. Baz, Olympic medal in trampolining of all things. Don't we love the Games? Yeah, we do love the games, and you can just hear as well the little bit of emotion there, can't you? With um, with Rachel, she's clearly delighted with with what Dylan was able to achieve, and it would be awesome for the sport of trampolining now to have someone who's achieved on the biggest stage. So, yeah, it'd be great for, for everyone to get him behind him when he gets home as well. Well done, Dylan Schmidt. Absolutely. Well done, Dylan Schmidt. Just another medal to add to the tally. It looks like we're on track to surpass the record we, we set in Rio for medals as well, which is awesome news. Coming up after the news, we've got Farah Palmer talking women's rugby after the Black Ferns went about what they did on the weekend in such dominant fashion. In the meantime, Baz and me are going to head out for a little McCafe coffee stop. We've still got Sarah Cowley-Ross to come as well but next it is the news with Trudy and Kubota. Together we are building and shaping New Zealand. Good morning to all of Aotearoa. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. We are just after 7 in the morning on Monday, the 2nd of August. Happy birthday for yesterday to all the horses out there in the Southern Hemisphere. And I'm joined by Louis Herman Watt as Izzy is with us tomorrow. We're looking forward to getting him back. But it's been a good morning so far, Louis, and we've got plenty more to come. Absolutely, it has. And I think the standard bread's birthday is actually on the 1st of January. But the thoroughbreds, definitely. Happy birthday to all of them. Just thinking, Baz, in Trudy's news, she pointed out that Dylan Schmidt's uh, mum said that he used to jump quite a bit as a toddler. Do you remember those jolly jumper things that you'd, you'd clip on the rafters? You, do you kids, did your kids do those? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they were right into them as well. They were great little, great little things, weren't they? Just keep them occupied while... Mum and Dad were just nestling into a pinomar, <laughs> <laughs> just bouncing around. Um, they were brilliant. One other thing I picked up in in Trudy's news as well is there was an earthquake in Waikato this morning in Pokoroa. That's just down the road, Louis. I didn't feel anything at one o'clock in the morning. Wow, you were probably well, you, you were probably up doing your homework for the show at that time as well, weren't you? Not long after that, yeah, that's right. Putting D- in the extra yards yep. so I can. 
Yep. Sound informed and intelligent. Hey, at some stage this morning, we need to chat as well about the British and Irish lions in South Africa because last week we we really took a wow an interest in Russi Erasmus's bizarre tactics to try and get a little bit of leverage over the referees, but it might have worked. And, and then Kyle Sinclair's gone and bitten a bloke as well. He's on report for that. So there's plenty going on in South Africa, Baz. Yeah, there is, and yeah, South Africa were too strong for the Lions in the second game, but Rassi Erasmus is still carrying on like a plonker, I think. But anyway, that series is is set up for a, as they what are they terming it? The Cup Final in a week's time. Yeah, World so Cup. That will be a huge game over there. Well, it's, isn't it great? World Cup champions, uh, South Africa against the Lions. It really is, you know, kind of a, a war of attrition. I know Jeff Wilson ran his eye over the game, so he can give us his account of it after 8 o'clock. Plenty of rugby to talk about, Bez. Yeah, there is. There's plenty of rugby to talk about, including the sevens in the weekend and the performance of our Black Ferns, which was full of class, it was full of power, and it was full of smiles on faces, not just from all those that follow the girls, but from the, the girls themselves over in, over in Tokyo. Their performance was, well, it was right out of the top draw just in terms of skill levels, but also in the way that they were able to play with Smiles on their faces and the joy of life. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome to our show Dr. Farah Palmer. She's a legend of the sport and also is the Deputy Chair of New Zealand Rugby and she joins us now. Good morning, Farah. Good morning. Good morning. I'm kind of struggling with this lack of sleep with this Olympics on, but good morning nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, well, it must be. you must have stayed up and celebrated on Saturday night as well after what the girls were able to achieve. Oh, yeah, probably. I'm a bit of a um, an emotional person, so I probably was loving watching them after the game and seeing their smiles and their tears and you know, thinking about their families and how much they've sacrificed to get there. So, yeah, it was a cool moment um, and really wonderful for them to be able to deliver that gold because I know they've been aiming for that for a few years now. Farah, I, I was listening. Well, I, I did a bit of research and, and heard co-captain Sarah Hirani just... Um, she said something in the weekend which just made me really sort of stand up and, and take notice as well. I'm just going to read it to you now if I can and just get your reaction to it. She said, yeah, we've got titles and we've won things, but I want our group to be good people and show the world that you can be good, genuine pe- people and still have success. Our program allowed that. That must make you feel pretty proud. Yeah, I mean, Sarah is a great leader. You know, she does lead on and off the field and uh, what you see is what you get with her and the rest of the team. They do, they're a really close-knit team um, and they know that they not only have to perform as athletes but as uh, role models models and ambassadors. They've got that bigger sense of this is bigger than just us and that comes through in all the team. Where does that come from? Fudder, because that's you're so right, and you get that it oozes it the way they conduct themselves and the way that they just I guess the smiles they wear on their face. Where does that kind of um, worldliness and, and just loveliness where does that come from? Do you think <laughs> worldliness and loveliness? Um, those are two really cool words. Um, I don't know. I think when you when you don't have these opportunities and then they come to you, you know, like the. The women's program and sevens didn't go professional until, uh, you know, 
recently. So they really appreciate that opportunity to focus completely on rugby. And I think they always think about um, those that have gone before them, like women and girls who have wanted to play sport, any sport, but also rugby, which has tended to be male-dominated and and associated with masculinity, to be able to play a game like that on the world stage, they're just really grateful. And I think that's what you see on their faces, the joy, the joy of the experience, and just knowing that they're there and hopefully inspiring the next generation. I couldn't agree more. It's exactly what you see, and that's what I mean. It really does come across even through the screen. So to that point then, as an advertisement and and the impact that this will have, what, what can that impact be? Yeah, well, we've got about 31,000 females, that's um, girls and women, playing rugby. And that was back in 2019. We won't kind of count 2020. That was a challenging year for everybody. But usually what we see after things like the Rugby World Cup and things like the Olympics, we see a surge in numbers going up. And I think there'll be lots of girls out there and lots of women who maybe have played touch or tinkered around with it a little bit who might think, actually, I can see myself doing this and, and having, A, a great time, and, B, the opportunity to go to the Olympics in the future. It, it, and that's kind of what you want. You, you, can't really, you can't really ask for too much more. So from NZR's point of view, and I know there's lots of practices and programs in place, is there any way you can specifically capitalise on that? Yeah, we have, um, we have things like the Go for Gold, and we do actually encourage people to give it a go. So we, of all ages, so come and have a go. And then, of course, we've got the 15s, which is a great way to get started. Sarah had only started at playing 15s at Fielding High School. So we've got all these opportunities to, to just give the oval ball a, a go. And um, we've got lots of development officers. We've got lots of people out there just trying to provide those opportunities. And, and I would encourage anyone who's, who's ever thought about it just to go out there and say, hey, I'd like to go to your club, go to your provincial union, say, hey, I'd like to give this game a go, and can you please point me in the right direction? Farah, I found it quite, um, quite awesome what you were saying before just about how they want to how the girls want to inspire the next generation in, in, in the cricket world and the black cap setup we talked a lot about um, that we're just passing through and we're custodians of of the jersey or of, of the black cap and we want to leave it in a better place than we've than we found it and you could undoubtedly say that these girls have done that so that's a remarkable achievement and inspires next generation I guess the next step is um, well we had Kendra Coxhedge on the show um, a couple of weeks ago and she was pretty honest about the work that was still to be done to promote and also grow the women's game um, and particularly yeah. at MPC level. Do you think things like this achievement and some of the other things that they're able to tick off is starting to build a bit of momentum with that though? Definitely. It creates um, the desire to play and it creates the, the energy for people to come in and want to play but if we don't have the structures and the systems and the competitions in place then, you know, we, we also risk losing all those people who, who are suddenly super enthusiastic about giving the sport a go. So we've got to make sure that we, as the New Zealand Rugby Board, and all of our structures in terms of our provincial unions, our super rugby clubs, that we try and make it a welcoming environment for girls and women and say, hey, look, come along, we really welcome you. You, you can be yourself and you can come and play this game and you can, you can have a great time with your mates and you can also aspire to a higher achievement. So it's up to us as the push heads, if you want to call us that, <laughs> and those people who are coaching, and it's up to us to try and create that environment for them.
Fishheads, Aaron Daring. That's last year. It was a it was a tough year for the fishheads and for everyone, really, as you pointed out. And even this year, there's a lot of uncertainty with the rugby championship and the Bledisloe at the the men's elite level. Moving forward, is there any way you can safeguard the women's game for those tough years? Because unfortunately, that's kind of well, that's where a lot of the um, well, that's where you lose a lot of it, isn't it? Out of the women's side of the game, is there any way to make sure that doesn't happen, or is it just a case by case and trying to, as you've talked about, implement and grow and grow and grow, and eventually the women's game won't be the one that has to suffer in those tough tough years. Yeah, and it is it is about creating revenue, isn't it? Because we do need to provide opportunities and we need revenue for that. So we're, we're doing our best to try and ensure that we um, we have that with the All Blacks and all those games that are going on. But I think also the New Zealand government's really supportive of women's sport at the moment and we've got three major World Cups coming up for women in the next two years. So it's going to be a great opportunity for us to create that uh, interest not only from people who buy tickets but also from sponsors and I just think in this day and age you can't get away with just saying oh we're going to cut the women's program because we just don't have the funds I just don't think people will um, tolerate that anymore so as an organisation we've just got to make sure that we, we prioritise what we're doing in both the male and the female part of the game. Yeah, no, and that's and that's completely fair enough. I think that's an awesome place to leave it. And it's just so great that we have moments like Saturday night that we can really use and leverage and talk to people like yourself who have been such great ambassadors from the game, both in your playing days and now with your role at NZR. So thank you so much for joining the show, Farah. It's, um, it's really cool to catch up. Uh, no, no problems. It was such a great moment. I'm happy to share it. Absolutely it was. There you go, Baz. And that is coming from a true legend of the sport and doing such a good job as being a fishhead. Farah Palmer talks about it. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And she just speaks so well. And you can see why she is in the position as a fishhead on NZ Rugby as well because, you know, she's just got such great clarity about how this game needs to be driven forward and, and the opportunities that things like the weekend are able to... Um, able to serve up for the women's game and I totally agree we need to find a way to ensure that we continue to grow it and develop it and provide opportunity for all the the females out there who want to be involved in in rugby or not just rugby in all sports as well because the more females that we get playing sports the more engagement we get across the entire demographic so fantastic and we're so lucky to to be able to speak to Farah Palmer this morning. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven on the Kennard's higher phone line Watching that on Saturday night, as so many people would have with their families and, and no doubt young girls as well as boys, does that inspire your kids or is that something that actually you can see inspiring the next generation? The, the I said worldliness, which is a, it's kind of what I felt, though, about them. They're just so endearing, those players. They, they really were putting themselves there and they looked so happy to be there. Watching that, did it make you think, well, oh, maybe I should get off the couch or, or maybe, you know, that's something my daughter would love to do. I'd be very curious at what real-life effect it has. And remember, when you do text double eight double three bears at any stage, you go on the draw to win a temper bed for the text of the month and a temper pillow for the text of the week, which, as you would know, you've been getting some uh, very, very nice inclined, inclinated sleeps, I hear. That's maybe why I didn't feel the earthquake in Tokoroa last night. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the zero gravity position in the temper bed. 
make sure that if you're from the Meta Meta region, you put somewhere else. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you and Jeff Bezos and your, that's right, and your, and your space rocket bed, which is fair, fair enough. The, the sport of it, um, you watched it, it was brutal. The, the, the women's sevens, the Blackfern sevens, the semi-final, I mean, the exhaustion on their face, Portia Woodman running down to, to save that try in the dying stages, and then even the French game, just the effort they were pouring in, it was pretty intense sport, wasn't it? Well, that sport in general is intense, and, I mean, it's, you've got to be super fit to be, to be playing that game, let alone the ability to, to be able to rest and recover and then get up and go again. And then you haven't even, we haven't even talked about the contact zone either. You know, that's, you've got not only fitness levels from a um, cardiovascular point of view, but also the ability to take the impact time and time again. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome to watch. I watched it on the couch at home and had a few friends around and we all sort of stopped what we were doing and, and sat there for the 25 minutes or so um, before, during and, and after and really just soaked it up and just couldn't be proud of, you know. It was just one of those really cool moments to be a Kiwi to to watch how much it meant to, to all of the Black Ferns players and, and especially on the back of the, the Golden Hour, which had been um, on the Friday. So, yeah, really cool moment. And now the challenge goes out to New Zealand Rugby to continue to drive that sport forward and to ensure that, that they're able to capitalise on on the opportunity that this, this kind of success brings. I think we should make this a bit of a golden hour as we continue to talk Olympics. Sarah Cowley-Ross coming up after the news. But after this, I want to talk to you, Baz, about the level of athlete we seem to be having in the Olympics set up at the moment. Double eight, double three. how did you take that in the whole weekend? Any moment that you want to talk about, especially the Blackfern success, we want to hear from you at 18 and a half minutes past 7 o'clock. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 23 minutes past seven on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Some amazing texts coming through here, Baz. After watching the Olympic soccer, my four-year-old daughter really wanted to kick a ball around, so we went to the warehouse and bought a football and spent yesterday afternoon in the yard. Good morning and thank you. Jordan, that's just, that is awesome, isn't it, Baz? Yeah, it sure is, and they keep coming as well. Didn't win, but the Ollie White's achievements are amazing. And also, morning, boys. Had my 14-year-old granddaughter staying for the weekend I would have watched the Sevens ladies, but enjoyed it even more with her. She plays rugby and has her sights on trying to make a career out of it. So Sunday we watched every Farah Palmer Cup game, and what a great rugby. And, and it was great rugby. We have some real great female rugby talent out there. That is another awesome, awesome message. And then this one too, Louis, the last one. Highlight of Olympics so far, walking down the main street of Napier on Friday at lunchtime and hearing Emma Twigs race on almost every mobile phone. The place had had stopped to watch. Awesome. And that's from Dion. And that is what the impact of sport can do, and that's why it's just such an important part of society and why we're so lucky to have the opportunity to talk about it. And, you know, we celebrate the absolute best of the best, and that all of those athletes who are doing their thing over on the world stage are inspiring the next generation of of. Um, kids to pick up a ball or a bat or or an oar if it may be and to go out there and try and achieve and that is pretty pretty cool it's brilliant it's really really great and those athletes that are doing it i just kind of want to get your thoughts on 
We look at Val Adams yesterday, who's gone to her fourth games and, and taken a bronze medal. So she's got the full set now. Hamish Bond is in the eight after um, being part of a historic Kiwi pair. Lisa Carrington today is about to row for, I think she's she's lining up, and she will take a gold, which may be two, potentially three. You don't know. Peter Burling and Blair Chuk, yeah, they're America's Cup sailors, but they are also Olympic sailors with a silver in London, a gold in Rio, and with any luck, go gold tonight. Is there a special generation we're seeing here? Is it kind of the professionalism of sport that the natural progression is that we now have got this glut of talent that can consistently achieve? As a a former athlete, do you have any considerations there? Do you wonder why, or is it natural? Yeah. Look, I think all of the people you just mentioned are absolute standout players. sports people in their own right and they have not just clearly they have ability but they also have that drive and that dedication to continue to push forward these athletes and I guess this is a difference too is they have their time in the sun once every four years so there is four years of heartache and sacrifice and hard work which goes into what they're doing and then they get their opportunity and and that takes an immense amount of mental strength and and just drive to keep pushing yourself time and time again. At least in the sport that I played in, in cricket, you kind of, you're getting the opportunity every day to go out there and try and succeed or fail and, and know where you're at. You're constantly getting that litmus test. But for these guys, once every four years is when their judgment day arrives. So for them to have been able to do it, not just in one set of games, not just two sets of games, but some in some cases, three sets of Olympic games over a 12, 13 year period, it's just remarkable, and I've only got adulation for them, mate, and I think that's that's why it's such a, a positive story, and that's why the, the next generation are going to gravitate towards these sports because of what these people are doing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool day to be talking sport, isn't it, when you oh, yeah. can celebrate these champions around our, around our country doing the thing on the world stage. We're pretty lucky, Louis. It's the longevity. That's such a great point. Maybe that's what's blowing my mind about it. It's that it's the time, the period of time they are able to stay at their peak. And I think you saw that with Val Adams, who was kind of so emotionally overawed by the moment of even winning bronze. She just thought, well, it's just, I'm at a different stage in my life. I've had two kids and I've been able to come back and do this. It's um, it's special, yeah. special stuff. That's the Olympics we've got going anyway. Yep. There's another couple of texts here as well, which I'd love to read out. Hey, team, I just want to text in regarding the women's sevens on TV and how cool it is having the women's rugby coming through. I sat down with my eight-year-old daughter, wife and son and watched the sevens comp. I had to drag my bo- my daughter in to watch the first game, and by the semi, my daughter was yelling out for us to come and watch it. She was hooked. The whole time, she was saying, I want to be, I want to be, I want that to be me one day, Dad. She comes down and watches me play rugby on a sad day and used to not like it that much because of the yelling and swearing from the sideline and the fighting on the field from the clubs in the from the clubs in the in the in our community. Sorry, I just competition. The rest of that competition. Sorry. And then there's another one. My daughter plays in her high school first fifteen. She was glued like her parents to all of the sevens games. Such amazing role models. Very emotional and love the way the whole team New Zealand team celebrate each other. Great show, lads. Megan, thank you, Megan. So some really cool feedback there as well, Louis. It's it's that last level of, and that's what I think 
Farah Palmer was awesome speaking about, you know, you're seeing it, but the real life connection and that like how that actually translates to participation numbers. And last year was really hard for rugby and, and women's rugby kind of fell um, well, fell by the wayside a little bit because of that. So, and and that's and as Farah said, like you can't get away with that anymore. People aren't going to tolerate that because of the actual groundswell and numbers. And and it's so cool to have those real life examples of people's children and granddaughters sitting there watching and saying, "Hey, that's more relatable for me." Because yeah, the club's actually a little bit scary that the blokes allowed, but this is something that I can really set my eyes on. And that's that last level of community engagement that I think it's. You, that's the key, really. That's actually the heart of it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I know we've got to get to the news with Trudy in a sec as well, so I'll, I'll just wrap this up really quickly. I do want to make make note that there are some challenges which come about being sports people too, and Ben Stokes is a case in point, and we should talk about that in a little bit of time. But for now, let's celebrate the athletes. Yes, we will, Baz. We'll come back to Ben Stokes, something you were talking about a lot last week, bubble life and how that has been impacting them. And it's a, a great story. Well a, well, a bit of a sad story, but something we will definitely focus on coming out of here. But it is time for the news with Trudy and Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Trudy. 28 minutes away from 8 o'clock. Trudy with the news there. And Baz, Ben Stokes. We need to our weekend choices poll, but... Just give us a bit more on this. You just mentioned that before. I'm quite curious because you, you brought it up with me yesterday and it's to do with the bubbles that we've been talking about last week. Yeah, it is. Look, I think we've, we've talked about how we've got all these amazing athletes doing some amazing things on the world stage, but it doesn't come without its pressures and its, and its concerns. And Ben Stokes, who is probably one of the toughest cricketers I've had the privilege of being able to play against and to, to get to know, um, has taken a game, uh, a break away from the game indefinitely, taking a break away from cricket because of the pressures which have been applied through operating in these bubbles throughout COVID times. Now, I talked about it last week that I feel that people are operating at the moment. They're finding a way to get through, but at some stage there is going to be an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff scenario in regards to having to deal with the, these challenges that each of these athletes are having to go through by operating in these bubbles and Ben Stokes has has taken upon himself to remove himself from all cricket for a period of time to focus on his mental health and well-being and to spend time with his family after what's been a challenging time so look it's not all beer and skittles when it comes to international sport as well and uh, I think it's a courageous decision by Ben Stokes and is also a stark reminder to all of us which operating operate in the sporting environments that we need to ensure that we are taking care and paying attention to the mental side of um, all these athletes and also the challenges that these bubbles and COVID times are, are serving up. Yeah, you were on this one pretty quick, actually. Um, last week you're saying it was it was interesting. It was something we had a long chat with Gilbert Anoka about on Friday, didn't we, about the impact that this is. And I encourage everybody to go back and find the Baz Nancy for Breakfast podcast channels and listen through the SENZ app to hear uh, Gilbert Anoka. And he kind of intimated that, you know, great athletes will be able to, this is, this is, it's all about being comfortable with yourself and learning how to kind of live in these spaces. And great athletes will find ways through it, but it is not easy and there's no kind of one solution for it. So there you go, Ben Stokes, a tough competitor, as you point out. Um, 
yeah, taking a break away from the game. It's time for our Choices Flooring poll. Choices Flooring's room view is the perfect decorating visualizer, Baz. And we want you to have your choice on our poll. Baz and Izzy for breakfast on Twitter is where the poll will be. I'm, I'm loving the happy vibes today, Baz. It was a great weekend. So I'm saying, which medal made you the happiest over the weekend? I'm going to give you the choices of... Lisa Carrington, not Lisa Carrington, Emma Twig, my, my bad. Emma Twig, who has really considered retiring and, and has been through a lot, been to a lot of games. I'm going to give you the choice of the Blackfern Sevens, who we just saw their happiness um, protruding through the televisions, really. I want to give you the choice of Valerie Adams, who won a bronze and did it the tough way and has done it really the tough way. And then Dylan Schmidt on the trampoline. How happy is that? I mean, it's a fun sport and it's a great effort. What about the men's eight? They must go in there too, surely. I don't know if you can do five poll options on Twitter, but uh, and, and the, the, the blokes, the men's eight, they got the cut out of all of it. And I was happy for them, but I, I feel like that was just a, a workman-like performance. But we'll, we'll stick it in there for the Texas double eight, double three. Which of those medals made you the happiest? Do you want to give us your answer now, or do you want to, do you want to wait? Me? you want my answer? Yeah, of course. Oh, um... Oh. I feel bad, I think, if I was really... You know, I think I'll sit on the fence. Can I do that? We're going to come Not back. Really you can't mind. do it. We're going to give you some more time to think and weigh <laughs> it up because you can't do that. We want an answer. So head along and have a vote in our Choices Flooring poll this Monday. It's fantastic stuff. After this, we're going to continue the Hour of Power on Olympics, the Golden Hour. We're talking to Sarah Cowley-Ross, who understands what Valerie Adams, Dame Valerie Adams, has been through and can give us all the happenings from track and field. It is 23 minutes away from eight on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. 18 minutes away from eight. 0800 150 811 is the Kennard's higher phone line. Get in touch at any stage and you will go on the draw to win the All Blacks experience. With the Bledisloe Cup in Perth, not exactly possible. We will give you that All Blacks experience. Just be part of SCNZ by calling 0800 150 811. We have last week's Call of the Week, a clip to announce, and the winner for last week to play before the end of the hour is up, Baz. And double eight, double three, some great texts coming through. The Aussies missing out on medals in the sevens brought a smile to my face. Some real animosity towards our Western cousins. <laughs> Yeah, well, there seems to be. Well, I've had some time to think as well, Louis. I think my highlight of the week weekend would be Emma Twig winning. I think what she's been through and the persistence and the perseverance that she's been able to she's been able to show and, and just keep getting back up again and then to finally have achieved what she did would have to be my highlight. But it was very difficult. But anyway, that's that's just my thoughts. It's uh, it's time now as well for us to welcome our next guest. And look, the weekend was one of the golden weekends of Olympic sport for New Zealand. And we started off with the rowers on Friday, the golden rowers on Friday, carried on by our golden ferns on Saturday night, and then sprung forward by Dylan Schmidt and put into place by Dame Valerie Adams, one lady who knows how special what happened this weekend was is Sarah Cowley Ross, and she is a former heptathlete and has soaked it all in over the last few days, and it's a privilege and a pleasure to welcome Sarah to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, gentlemen. Congrats on the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Congratulations on everything you're 
fellow Olympians have been doing. So there was so much to get through right throughout the weekend. Do you have a personal highlight of the weekend, Sarah? Yeah, I'm actually the same as you. Um, Emma Twig for me was um, if we through Friday. I've watched her um, over the last you know decade, and just been in awe of her resilience. I mean, the way she has got back in the boat is phenomenal, and she's just gone about her work with this determined nature. But had to get over some huge demons too. First of all get to the start line in Tokyo. Um, but then to do what she did, I mean, that is just, to me, it's one of the stories of the whole game. It's, it's phenomenal. Isn't it amazing? So I was at a wedding on Friday night as well, Sarah, and Emma Twig's partner, Charlotte, was there. Like, where oh, else in the oh, world yeah, could yeah. that happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was celebrating, and, and she was like, so you, could, you could almost see she was kind of stoked, but, like, kind of didn't want to get too up and about just in case she embarrassed herself but she must have been ecstatic too but I agree with you it must have been such a cool story yeah I was just um I mean I know the girls really well I married them actually as their celebrants the thing as they were talking about oh, awesome. um <laughs> and my husband actually works with Emma he, he's her strength and conditioning um <laughs> coach and he's a physiologist so this is New Zealand um by me just pulling out those sort of relationships <laughs> It <laughs> is, is brilliant. So you, Baz has run yeah. into her at a wedding. You've actually married her <laughs> to the Olympic yeah, gold medalist go. who now we are talking about. Oh, that is, that's, that's too much. That's awesome. It was, um, no, it was a huge weekend, wasn't it, Sarah? And, and yesterday, I guess emotionally, we kind of were exhausted by the time it came to Val and hearing her talk about what she had gone through and, and the way she said that her bronze actually meant more to her than her gold. What do you think she meant by that? I think she meant by that that, you know, as a mum now, this has just been such a huge campaign. I mean, I cannot even imagine the logistics of this whole situation, having two children myself. But Val, for her, this is the icing on the cake for her because, you know, she has won two gold medals already and a silver. This is her 17th year of competing at the Olympics in a power sport and at 36, as a mum, this for her has been the hardest campaign. And so hats off to her, total inspiration. And I think now her legacy for New Zealand uh, in shot put is just, was it already cemented? I mean, I don't know what the next level from cement is, but um, <laughs> whatever it is, she is there. Because, I mean, what... Just what an achievement, and I think you saw in the, the, the raw emotion after she threw her after she threw her last throw. She knew she had the bronze. I mean, you you wouldn't be more happier in in third than her right then. It's easy to look at the medal colour sometimes, and and because you, you expect such high things these athletes, but not realise the context. So she was saying that she had to move to Christchurch yeah. to work with Dale, her, her new coach, who only took her on what nine months ago or something. And this time away yeah. from her, her Fano, it's just it can't be overstated, really. So I don't, I don't know what what are, you're right. I don't know. I'm kind of a bit speechless. What more do you say about Dame Val Adams that then she kind of has given so much for that that fern and given so much for her country that. The bronze, you can, I can understand why once you learn that context, how the emotion came about. Absolutely. And, you know, she also had, it's, it, she publicly said she, it, it was difficult for them to have children. Then she had children. Then she came back for, um, she, sorry, she had her daughter, Kimoana, 
And then in 2018, after six months after having Kimoana, she comes back and wins a silver medal at the Commonwealth Games. Not content, she then has her son, Kepalele. <laughs> and then he is diagnosed with diabetes. That in itself for any family is just such a such a journey to be on. This is a woman who's all that going on and is training for the Olympic Games and then is on the podium. So I totally agree with you that in this situation it is the journey, um, not the end result for her that has just been the most incredible personal achievement for her. And it's just so refreshing to hear her say, you know, that actually this means more to her than the gold. And that shows you you know, how hard it has been. And credit to her husband, Gabe, and his family, so, and the Adams family for just being such a huge support to Dame Valerie. Yeah, that's spot on as well. The support networks of all the people who are at the Games is is something which um, which probably gets overlooked, and it must be difficult for them as well, having to be away from all their families and all their support crews as well with the COVID situation over there. Sarah, I also just want to talk uh, quickly about the Black Ferns in the weekend and and Sarah Herony, the co-captain, the, she, she made this, this statement. I'd just love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, we've got titles and we've won things, but I want our group to be good people and show the world that you can be a good, genuine person and still have success. Our program allowed that. Isn't that just such a profound statement and after, mm. after the success that they had, that they, they could still have such clarity? The clarity from these women is just outstanding. And the Black Ferns, I think we should just... I mean, we're proud of all of our athletes, but when we look at the culture in this team and you have the leader that Sarah Haddonay is, it, it's just, it makes me so proud to be a New Zealander. And I'll tell you, my favourite Black Fern story, actually, is my husband and I were over at, the, um, at Blake Park one day and I had my daughter was really young, she was a baby, and so the girls finished training. Then we know a lot of them. And so they came over and were gushing over the baby. And my son, there's a playground right on the edge of Black Park where they train on the main field. And my son was, yeah, just hanging out on the playground. And anyway, Sarah Goss at the time, Sarah Hedeney and Portia Woodman came over and started playing with my son on this playground. And all of a sudden they transformed it into a pirate ship. Next minute, they are doing <laughs> dive rolls. Dive rolls on the bar, <laughs> playing with my son, you know, my two-year-old son. This, to me, speaks volumes about who they are as people, how much they give their genuine self, and just how awesome they are. So that, that to me, is a personal story, but it it's also just speaks volumes to the character of these, these women. And they're all, like, they are all, you know, the same sort of person in terms of, they bring themselves, they bring their culture. I mean, that interview with BBC for Ruby Tilly, just hilarious. Yeah. And also just so smart as well for her to also be able to address the world in, in Samoan. They're proud of their cultures, whatever they are, and they bring it to the team. And just with such a synergy, such beautiful manner and warmth. So go the Black Ferns. Oh, beautifully put, Sarah. That's so that is so true. Couldn't, couldn't agree more with all of that. It's fantastic. What a great day to be a Kiwi this morning. We're absolutely loving it. Thank you so much for your time and, and good luck for the rest of the Olympics doing what you're doing, um, looking after the kind of coverage and giving that expert analysis. We're loving it. So awesome stuff and we'll catch up again. Awesome, guys. Have a great day and go the Kiwis. Absolutely.
Absolutely. Go the Kiwis, Bears. What a fantastic day. Eight minutes away from eight o'clock. We'll be back to wrap up the hour after this. And Izzy Dag is back tomorrow with Bears, and we cannot wait for that. But with the Bledisloe Cup in Perth not possible, the caller of the month will win an All Blacks experience. And we are two weeks into this, and Ricardo Ball had a fantastic call from Tim from Christchurch, who was very passionate about just that, the Bledisloe Cup. He had opinions, which we always encourage. Here's Tim having his hot take on the coaching staff of the Bledisloe teams. Yeah, and as I say, Dave Rennie, great, great coach, but is he a brilliant coach? I don't think he is, and it's the same with Ian Foster. You know, I think good coach, but is he brilliant? I don't think he is. Tim, we appreciate your opinions, and we appreciate anyone that calls through on 0800 150 811. Is Tim necessarily wrong there, Baz? Uh, no, I don't think he's wrong. But um, I'll tell you what is wrong. You're not putting... The eights in the pole. That seems to have got a people <laughs> up and about. How's this from Jerry? Hey, guys, come on. The men's eight achievement was totally unexpected. Two months ago, they travelled to Europe to qualify and had two weeks in MIQ on an erg. They operate on the smell of an oily rag up against nations that one role would receive New Zealand budget. New Zealand's best ever sportsman completed a historic third gold in bronze in cycling. There were a number of very young men in the crew. Did you see their reaction when they crossed the line? Emma Twig and Val Val Adams were amazing individuals, but a team gold and a blue ribbon event where no one expected them to win gold has to be the outstanding achievement of the games. Cheers, Jerry and Louis didn't even put it in the poll. Well, there actually, Jerry, I, I completely agree with everything <laughs> Jerry said, but I the poll is what made you the happiest. I think their achievement goes right up there. It might even be the best, but pure happy, pure joy for me. It was the Blackfern Sevens. I, I could not feel more happy in that moment. And just to round off the Bledisloe Cup, the experience, all Blacks experience, that's all thanks to Ballpark Entertainment, remember, on SENZ. The golden one, Jeff Wilson up after the news. Baz, you excited for this? I am excited for the golden one. We had uh, we had Adine Wilson on the other day, and she was outstanding. So let's hope Jeffrey doesn't disappoint. Looking forward to speaking to him all things rugby very shortly. He's good crack. He's told me he watched the Lions' spring box, but on double speed. So that's fair enough. <laughs> when you watch as much rugby as Jeff, <laughs> you're allowed to speed it up occasionally. We've got Dan Slater coming up still in the hour as well, talking sailing, because... Tonight, well, we've got more medals coming, hopefully. Blair Chuk and Peter Berlin going at it in the 49er class. But now it's time for the news and Trudy. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Kia ora and good morning to all of our Tatarais. Just after 8am on Monday, the 2nd of August, just to yesterday was all the Southern Hemisphere thoroughbred birthdays, and we hope you got an extra carrot or two. This is Baz Nizzi for breakfast on SCNZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. We've had some great conversation this morning and we've had some great guests on our show as well. We've got more to come. Give us a call at any stage as well if you've got some burning questions, 0800 150 or send us a text which has been flooding in today with some congratulations and good feelings for our Olympians. 8833 to get in touch with us on the text as well. A warm welcome this morning, no Izzy, so we have Louis. 
I can't wait for Izzy to be back tomorrow. What a fantastic <laughs> morning it's going to be. All the energy coming out of North Canterbury down there in Ohoka. People absolutely will not know what hit them when the Ismaster returns. It'll be like me with the pep in my step after my little McCafe coffee break during the news. So Izzy's going to come in hot. It's test week, Baz. We've got rugby galore to talk about, and I, I just get the feeling he's just going to be fired up and ready to go. Yeah, he is. He is going to be fully fired up, the big is. He's had, uh, obviously, a week um, celebrating the life of his mum, who unfortunately passed last week. But, look, is, is, um, he's back and ready for action. Looking forward to having him back. Because he is our colour. He's our flavour, isn't he? Like, my material's starting to run real dry when it comes to the entertainment. I'm a bit more of the opinion piece, Louis. That was kind of how it was meant to be, you know? Like, a little bit more sensible kind of just be able to hopefully help navigate things through a little bit and let Louis just fly, uh, let Izzy just fly, but it hasn't really worked out like that. I think this is perfect. I think this is exactly who you should be, Biz. <laughs> I think you're going fine. i tell you who else was flying during the weekend. Have a listen to this. I'll play the ball six metres out. Nicarima Fane left. Goes oh! right. Bantia four. Bantia four gets four. Bantia four gets four. And the Warriors are about to take an unlikely lead, 10 all. I think that's Joel Kane there calling Bunty uh, four over the line. What a fantastic gutsy performance from your boys, Baz. Yeah, and what about what about just saying, are they a chance? The Bulldogs, the Sharks, the Bulldogs, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Titans. There's nothing to fear there, Louis, on the way home. They're only four points outside the top eight, uh, the Warriors. And even after a seven-match losing streak. This 18-16 win against the West Tigers on Saturday, is just, well, Friday night, has just given the Warriors, just and all of us Warriors fans, just a little bit of a, a, a pump-up. So here's hoping, even with all the big players out, here's hoping that they can just come home like a wet sail and, uh, and do the unthinkable qualify for the, the finals would be fantastic, Louis. It would, but I also feel for all the Warriors fans out there that had put their seasons to bed. Now they've got to kind of like look back through the curtains and peer into that window of hope. Um, it's pretty br- <laughs> it's pretty brutal out there. It's all right, because usually that, a lot of those Warriors fans are also All Blacks fans, and hopefully this week is a ripper. Yeah, well, hopefully. And we've got one man who can hopefully talk us through it as well. We had our Dean Wilson on the show the other day, and she was fantastic. She made us laugh and very informative and... She entertained everyone, and today we get the opportunity to speak to the golden one, the Jewel International, the great All Black that, that is Jeff Wilson, and he is also now, he's well, he's earned the, earned the quid from behind the mic as a expert commentator and pundit for Sky Sports, and he's doing a wonderful job, and it's an absolute privilege to welcome the golden one, Jeff Wilson, to SCNZ and to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Good morning, Jeffrey. G'day, lads. I would have, I would have, you should have just got a Dean back on then. I reckon that would have been a better option. <laughs> I reckon, uh, to be honest with you, that's what you're looking for. You got what you wanted, mate. I'll, I'll just fill some air time for you. Is this, your, is this just the lowest rating part of the show? So you just plug me in there. Is that the way it works? No, I just, I just know what you like, Jeffrey. And I know that, you know, you were starting to get a bit of a complex that we wanted to speak to a Dean over you. <laughs> but no, but it's good to have it. you on board, stop mate. It. Not... Mate, it's great. And you guys are doing a fantastic job. Oh, you really, really are. 
No, I, uh, I've really enjoyed listening to um, to everybody. Actually, it's been great fun, you know, to hear sport being back on the radio because, you know, we needed we needed that medium to have uh, drive the conversation. And uh, you've always loved to chat. I know you love your horses. <laughs> um, so, mate, this, you, you're, yeah. you're, you. this is a match made in heaven for you, right? Yeah, you were, you were just smart enough to work out. Well, maybe it was the dean that was smart enough to work out that your career as a harness racing driver was going to come to a premature end so she she steered you out of that and into the media and it's been a wonderful decision which has paid rich yeah, dividends well, for you jeffrey hey well we're lucky right we're lucky we're, we're, we're fortunate we get the opportunity to to work in our sport that we love being a part of when we're playing and now now i, I enjoy being um uh, behind the mic and and talking to guys like yourself talking about sport in general look this has been uh this time of the year with the olympics being on this has been awesome you know like it's it's actually just, um, you know, with such great action, um, so so many inspirational stories. Uh, as usual, Kiwis punching above their weight. We go to, you know, we go up against the world and um, we can compete with anybody. So, mate, it's cool. It's a cool time of the year. Yeah, well, you're a sportaholic, so you will be loving the Olympics. But let's let's talk All Blacks, eh? Let's talk Bledisloe Cup. Mate, what can we expect from both the All Blacks in Australia? Hey, look, that's a great question um, because I think, uh, both uh, two teams have gone through two very different series. Uh, France came and took on Australia in Australia, and they were combative, pushed the Wallabies right to the very edge, um, gave them, I think, a real challenge, uh, and gave Dave Rennie a real indication about where he's sitting. And we had a couple of really good challenges from Fiji um, uh, here in New Zealand, but different types of game, different types of contests. Uh, we know Australia last year, um, they found a way to beat us, uh, and and enjoyed their success against the All Blacks. So Dave Rennie would have looked at this group and said, you know what, um, we're good enough, we're talented enough, it's just a matter of whether or not they can put together an 80-minute performance. But this is, as we know, this is the season for Ian Foster, cement his place as the All Black coach um, going through to the next Rugby World Cup. So this is, for me, where it starts for him weekend, is this is the first step towards that. And he won't be thinking about that. I've spoken to him about that. We've actually got him on the show, on the breakdown tonight, to talk about uh, this coming week, but um, they're going to need to start really, really strongly. And there's no doubt we've got the talent. The first challenge, Baz, will be are they going to start a team? Because that's the big question mark, right? Um, going in, and or, or does Bowden Barrett mm. does he reappear at fullback again for the All Blacks? And I think that distinct possibility. Well, who would you start at ten then, Jeffrey? If it was me uh, right now, I think Richie Wonga uh, deserves that opportunity uh, in the ten jersey. Um, look, he's been very, very good. Uh, this season, of course, once again, everyone's got sort of these question marks about whether he's done it at highest level in the biggest games. Well, there's only been a couple, and one of those is obviously a real clear look at the semi-final against England in the Rugby World Cup, and everyone's judging him, I think, on that one performance. Has he proven at black level against the toughest competition that is world-class? Not just yet, but I think he deserves the first opportunity to do that. And it doesn't mean that we don't get Bowden Barrett to have an impact on the game because he can do it from the bench or from fullback, you know. Um, mm. And look, there's no doubt uh, Richard Moonga is up for the challenge. Uh, this all-black team is up for the challenge. This is a really strong side. Um, not Probably not as strong and as experienced up front with, with Joe Moody and Offa Fussy still recovering from injuries. So we won't see them for a few weeks yet, I'd say. But it just means that some young fellas are going to have to do a, a real job. And, and you know, I, I'm... I'm I'm looking forward to this because, once again, this is where we get a true gauge and 
And this is the Burgess Low Cup we're talking about, right? This is the one that the All Blacks, they look at this and go, every single year we want to secure this because it is their neighbours from across the Tasman and they want to keep one up over them. And, and as you know, Baz, that's, that's critical for us when it comes to trans-Tasman rivalry. Hey, Jeff, you shouldn't let Baz rattle you because this is actually a very highly rating part of the show, the McCafe Coffee Catch-Ups. Last week, we had Stephen Fleming, Gilbert Anoka. Very, very good ilk you are rocking in, so make sure that you keep your head held high there, mate. Um, uh, <laughs> look. Oh, let's be clear. Let's be clear. The only time he ever rocked me was if I was having to bowl to him. Right? <laughs> it's the only time. It was a concern in my entire life because I knew I could only have so many people on Cow Corner, you know, and I couldn't have two or three people in the stands um, to catch him out. That's the fear, you know, like... It's the only time I got nervous with Brett McCallum. Yeah, that, that, the, the frosted tips era of Baz McCallum, explosive. <laughs> uh, don't you start either, Goldie. We've got plenty of old, old, old footage of your, of your golden locks. <laughs> I'd love to have frosted tips right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough too. Hey, Jeff, but on, on Dave Rennie's side, the Wallabies, like they have been beaten, not his version of the side, but they've been beaten into submission in these Bledisloe encounters for however many years now. But look, everyone knows the history. How does he freshen it up? How does he change the narrative to get them engaged that they believe they can come to the fortress and win? And look, I think that we know that that's going to be his first challenge, his belief, right, is, is coming to New Zealand and thinking that you can have success and finding a way to get that. But that just starts from having one result. And, you know, I think we can expect, say, from the likes of an Argentina now that you've gone and beaten the All Blacks once. It's a different mentality. Ireland went through that as well until they got that first win. The Wallabies are almost at that point again where they need to find something. And years ago, they got a big win early at Perth. Um, against the All Blacks in the first test of the series. And then you started to think maybe they've got that belief, but the All Blacks snuffed it out. And look, the perfect scenario for the All Blacks is to be playing at Perth. So for Dave Rennie, he needs to find, he needs to find a first five who can step up in the biggest stage and the biggest occasion to do that job. And look, it's not going to be Quade Cooper. He's brought him in as cover to support the players who are there. But whether it's Lolaseo or whether it's Tamua. Um, unfortunately, uh, James O'Connor is out right now, who is the guy I think they were going to look at because of his experience and his form. And he needs his key decision-makers and playmakers, but particularly his 10, to step up to the mark and to have that near-flawless game against the All Blacks. And the thing being is the teams that gives the All, the All Blacks trouble at the moment, right, are the teams whose defences are dominant and physical and their forward pack can put pressure on that's something that they haven't had haven't had for a long time, and, and against the All Blacks, and, and that's where their first challenge lies: the fact that one, they've got to match us up front physically, and two, their defence has got to be able to hold us because we've got to take every opportunity they get to score points, um, whether it's through kicking goals or scoring tries. But these are not going to be um, high-scoring affairs, unless well, if they are high-scoring affairs, we usually come out on, on top of those. Um, so I think that's the challenge for them is that you've got to be able to shut the All Blacks down. And that's where I see the, the real challenge for them. Golden one, Jeff Wilson is joining Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Now we've got the text machine flying in. I've got two texts here, mate. You don't have to answer this first one just yet, but the second one you definitely do. This one's from Jason. Ask Goldie if the 92 Shell Cup final at Carisbrook is the best domestic game of sport you played in. I thought that was brilliant for you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I and then the second I one. It was borderline. 
And then and then the second one, Jeffrey is uh, from from Israel in Ahoka Christchurch, and he wants to know what <laughs> the back three, what the back three from the All Blacks are going to be this weekend. That was his job. <laughs> that was his job. <laughs> to select the back three. Don't mind. Uh, I, 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 I want to hear it from us. What the back three looks like, and, and that is a that is a big debate. The Shell Cup final, it's right up there with. But we didn't win that. But um, but we won the nineteen ninety eight final. But that was Karis because it's very best. I mean, that's what it was about. So, <laughs> look, and that was the, the vintage days of um, of Studentville. It was a great run, that 92 run. It was good fun. Um, look, let's talk about the back three. Uh, look, I, if it was me, what I would like to see, uh, guys are in form, and uh, I'd like to see Rico Ioane on the left wing. Um, uh, I think they're going to go in the midfield with, uh, with um, Elena Brown and, and David Harvelli, as long as everyone's fit and healthy. And I just thought Rico looks so sharp, and there's no doubt developing as an all-black centre uh, and, and a, a centre in his own right. And I just think he's found his speed. Um, he's got his size. Uh, look, uh, his impact on the left wing will be great. That's a bit tough on George Bridge, but I think that's where he is right now. And Sever Reese is on the right wing for me. I think he's back to his very best form. Um, he's electric, he's finishing everything you need to see out of him. Fullback one's a really, really hard one. And it's a toss-up for me between Damian McKenzie and uh, Bowden Barrett, but I'm going to go with Damian McKenzie. Um, Bowden to make his impact off the bench. I think that might chop and change over time, but that's what combination I would like to see. Um, uh, we know the experience. We know how great a player Bowden Barrett is, but we just I'd like to see something just a little bit different for this first test and see whether or not that combination might work. But yeah, I, I just look at the talent we have out there. It's a really difficult one for these All Black um, selectors. Look, Will Jordan, you know, as we try a scoring machine at the moment. Um, but I just like the way the other guys are playing on both sides of the ball defensively. Uh, I've got plenty of trust in what they're doing. Israel from Mahoka says he agrees with Rico and Reese, so he's either stealing your homework or he really does agree there, Goldie, which is fantastic. And and David Harvey at second five, I hope he gets I hope he gets empowered and gets empowered to do what he has been doing so well, which is running superb lines. And I think him and Richie Moonga together are lethal. Can you see him getting picked again? Would they change that? I think that's the combination that they're looking at and going, you know what, if, if if it can continue to succeed the way it has been succeeding and the skill set that David brings. Look, for so long we, we, we've gone for a different... Well, not, not entirely... We've had Martin Onu for so long at second 5-8 and then the options post him was a, a slightly different player, whether it was Leonard Brown. It was Ryan Crotty for me that I, I really liked the way that he played the game and the skill set that they bring. So I, I look at David Harvey and go, he gives us some different options. It doesn't mean so much we need that's that that um, fullback to be that distributor as much. I'd rather them be a creator like David McKenzie is to have a go, to have a crack and use his skill set to break the line. Whereas David can kick, run, his defence is very, very good, um, huge work rate. Um, I, just, I just like the, the dynamic that he brings. So, look, I'm excited for him because, you know, to, to, to think of the start of the season, he's coming back from an injury last year. He's the majority of his rugby at fullback and all of a sudden... You know, um, with all the depth they had there down in the Crusaders, he was challenged by Scott Robertson to go, you know what, how about you play 12? And he's become a, a more than just a versatile player he may have fallen into. He's now become a specialist at 12 who can possibly play out the back pretty much anywhere, to be fair. But I think that's, that's great for him that he now owns a position and he could own the 12th position for a long time. 
That's brilliant. Thank you, Goldie. And you get the tick of approval from Israel from Ahoka as well. He says, nice. Cheers, Goldie. Shot, boys. (laughs) In true Izzy fashion. It's a crusader. (laughs) (laughs) I say any crusader, he's going to be happy, right? It's just how it works. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right, mate. We've uh, we gotta we better move on, but we really appreciate you joining us on um, Baz and Izzy for breakfast, mate. It's um, it's great to talk to you, and we could sit around sit around and talk for hours, which we will in time over a nice cold one. But thanks very much for joining us, Jeff. A pleasure, boys. Always, anytime. Give us a bell. See ya. Outstanding. Man. He's a wealth of knowledge, Baz. Jeff Wilson on the breakdown. They're obviously compiling their greatest 15 as well. So be curious watching there, see who they pick. That was an awesome addition to one of our McCafe coffee catch-ups. Tried the delicious new McCafe coffee blend today at 21 minutes past eight. I'm going to catch up with Paul Moate from the TAB after this. Find out what he's looking at. No doubt something juicy for us on Baz Nizzy for breakfast. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 26 after 8, and he's been singing songs all weekend. It's time for a TAB Live update. Bet live on your favourite sports in the TAB app today. It's been a golden weekend. Paul, did you enjoy it? Oh, what a weekend. I'm just so happy for Emma Twig after two fourth place finishing. They they say that's the worst place to finish uh, at the Olympics in fourth. To come back from that and pick up the gold, that was just sensational. Um, The... the rowing was just just absolutely brilliant. Um, what else? The, the women's sevens. I, I just we're, we're after your turn. There's Lisa on the water today. Um, it's just been sensational. It has been sensational. Are people taking action on the Olympics? Do you have anything going? Uh, they sure are. Um, I, I guess the, a number have been uh, sort of rewarded with our a back black bonus back. Of course, those who backed Valerie Adams uh, in the gold medal winner market, uh, because she got the bronze uh, medal, uh, they got their stake back up to $30 as a bonus bet. So uh, a little bit of uh, a sort of a present for those who had faith in Valerie. Uh, and how good was that? Um, I'm looking around today, and oh, I suppose I should mention the dogs because we've got a $10,000 guaranteed terminating pick six at the Palmerston North Greyhounds. Uh, today we've also got a bonus back promotion on races one and two at the Palmerston North Greyhounds, and there's a there's a red hot favourite in race two at Palmerston North, the Karen Walsh trained Thrilling Risk, currently a dollar sixty fixed odds. Oh, Mary, who was texting the show on Friday, would love that. Paul, thank you very much. We'll catch up tomorrow. Promotions in play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. And, of course, always please gamble responsibly. Double eight, double three on the text line or 0800 150 for the Kennards Hire phone line. Remember, when you text any time this month, you go in the drawer to win a temper bed for text of the month and a temper pillow for the text of the week and there's a couple of decent ones there Baz Yep, one there from Ken, I think Roger Tuavasa Sheck will be the AB's long term number 12, thank you Ken and this one from PJ and Tamuka boys, further tinny weekend watching a women's rugby with my granddaughter I've spent 30 years coaching and administration in the, in the kids game, every year we've struggled to fill teams and be ring around parents try and fill them up a huge amount of mothers who we are worried over their children getting hurt. So New Zealand rugby need to support women's rugby if our future mothers and mothers are mothers and 
Anyway, uh, playing the game, more kids will also be exposed to rugby, both boys and girls. That is exactly the sentiment which Farah Palmer was talking about earlier on. We need to continue to uh, to, to build on the success of these league of uh, these um, rugby players, the Ferns, the Black Ferns players, and their success that they've had over in Tokyo, and encourage the young girls to get out there and play the sport as well as we do with the young boys. It's bang on, Baz, and that was great to hear Farah Palmer speak about that connection from how do you get, how does this translate from this, these amazing scenes on television to real life to the people that PJ and Tamuka are talking about? How do you encourage these girls and boys to participate, pick up the oval ball and get involved with a game that we do all love because it is a brilliant game? We're going to get the results of our Choices Flooring poll after this, but of course it's time for Trudy and the News with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Trudy. 28 minutes away from 9 o'clock on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. And Izzy Dag is giving his technology a workout down the line. He's got a chat. He's got the chats fired up. He's, he's, he might as well just be do, do the last hour of the half hour of the show today, Baz. He's that keen. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's good to have him back. Looking forward to him tomorrow. Big Izzy will come in with a full head of steam as well. So look out. Look out. Can't wait. Look out indeed. Well, it's time now to get the results of our Choices Flooring Weekend Monday poll. Remember, you can always have your choice, and that's what we're doing here. Choices Flooring's Visualizer Room View is the easiest way to help and transform your home with new flooring and rug. Rugs, Baz, who do you think's come out on top? The question was, what medal made you the happiest over the weekend? Emma Twigg's gold, the Black Ferns Sevens gold, Dylan Schmidt's bronze, Dame Val's bronze. Um, Dame Val's bronze. No. Actually, Dame, no. Val's, Dame Val's bronze has come in third in the poll results. Emma Twigg's second, 36.4% of the vote, and Black Ferns Sevens gold, 40.9% of the vote. I just think it was that. The, the pictures and the, the speech from Seda Hidani and just all of it was quite overwhelming. I think it was quite hard to not find it extremely happy. Yeah, no, I was, I was really just trying to pick a bit of an outsider there, Louis, and see if I could sort of come across like a bit of a master, but clearly that didn't work and I should have gone with my initial thoughts, but no, I couldn't agree more. And it's pretty hard to split all of them, aren't they? Because they're all just magical moments for New Zealand sport and and ones which all should be celebrated, but we did need to have a poll and we did need to have a winner because we've got prizes to give away and everyone loves free stuff. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and Izzy's going to be back running the prize cabinet tomorrow with Quizzy Dag. He's also going to be back just after we've got time for... We'll have either way, the New Zealand equestrian teams will either have medals or they won't. Did you catch any of the cross-country yesterday? Because I was, I was hooked to it. I was loving it. I didn't actually. I was I was helping out the Poland hospital here. We're demolishing a house down the road, which they'll um they'll then put all back together and then they'll sell it and then the proceeds of that will go on to the Poland hospital. So it was a bit of a fundraiser. So I was out there doing that instead of um, watching the Olympics, unfortunately. But um, well, fortunately, as well. Um, but you were singing its praises this morning, Louis, when we jumped on here at six a.m. I was loving it because I never really kind of considered well how close to racing it is and, and just like the, with the horsemanship values. So the cross country, the, the course was run at, it was a seven minute, 45 minute course. So every 
second or half a second you're over that, you elapse penalties and you accrue penalties. So they've only about four or five riders actually made it under the 745, including or Tim Price, I think, was he was right there, right on the, the cusp, the Kiwi. But it's all about how hard you push your horse, right? And because there's inclinations and there's jumps, there's water jumps, you have to know your horse and how much gas they've got in the tank because you can take short, aggressive lines or you can take the long, more conservative lines. And I think understanding that relationship, and that's what the commentators keep speaking about, the relationship between rider and horse and understanding how much gas is in the tank, what it feels like doing. The horsemanship and the values around that I just found fascinating. And it was hard work. It was hot work. And the, the riders, when they got across the line with a good time, they were up and about, slapping the neck of their, their mountain. I just thought it was brilliant viewing. Yeah, you just got to be a little bit careful here as well. I know you're subbing in for, for Izzy, but Izzy is our, our, our equestrian correspondent. I feel like you're just starting to blur the lines here with such information and, <laughs> and, and the speak, the equestrian speak that you're using is just outstanding. So just be a little careful, you know. The, ca- so the cohesion of tomorrow and he'll put you back and he'll put you back in your place if you continue to push the boundaries like you are, Louis. You know, I'm starting to I'm, I might be marking up the cohesion of the show with blurring the defined roles that we, you know, we certainly have the equestrian desk. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing <laughs> I, I will never take off you and that is the 3x3 desk. But I might have a go at the sailing because after this, we're going to catch up with Dan Slater, an Olympic sailor who has been keeping an eye over what the team has been doing over there in Tokyo in the harbour. And we might be up for more medals tonight with Peter and Blair going at it. So we'll catch up with Dan Slater after this on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. You certainly are. And give us a call on 0800 150 811 if you want to go into the draw to win the All Blacks experience. Tim from Christchurch was this week's or last week's winner. That's all thanks to Ballpark Entertainment on the Kennards Higher phone line and double eight double three, the text line. We've been talking all morning about great Olympians and how lucky we are to be in this golden era over this golden weekend. And a couple of them are going out on the water again tonight. Yeah, they sure are, and we have, I guess the, the conditions over there have been a little tricky for our sailors. It's been a tough old slog, and you'd fear to say we haven't had a whole heap of luck either, but we are lucky enough that there's still some medals on the table, and that's especially so for our champion 49 sailors, Pete Burling and Blair Chuk, who head into tonight's medal race, and they are leading their class. Now, Dan Slater is a former Olympic sailor, and he's got years of experience coaching as well. He resides in Italy right at this point in time, and, well, we know Italy for football, we know it for sailing, but now we know it for Olympic 100-metre winners as well. Have you seen any fast runners out there somewhere, Dan? Good morning. Mate, I'm good, thanks. Good. How are you guys? There's not too many fast runners around here. They're all eating pizza and uh, and drinking beer. So um, pizza and pasta <laughs> is not great for 100-metre runners, I don't think. So. <laughs> but it haven't, you You've know, got the champion, though. He won overnight. Time of the year. I know. <laughs> he won overnight. Here. Unbelievable. They go, they, yeah, it was amazing, right? So, um, but yeah, no, as far as the sailors go, they've had a really tough run, but, you know, champion, champions in any sport, man, still come out in front, and um, and I think Pete and Blair tonight, I think you'll see the true class of those guys. I really do. I think uh, even though the points are super close and it doesn't um, give them a too much, a, a full guarantee, 
of a medal. I think they're experienced. They've been there, done it, done it twice before, and they're pretty good under the pump. So um, I have no doubt that they'll manage to kick a goal tonight and um, and do the job. Why has it been so tough from what you can work out, Dan? It seems like it's been a bit awkward at times, and they, none of the crews, apart from really Pete and Blair, have been able to find any rhythm. Well, it's sort of been. I think there's a, there's a couple of things, and um, we've been talking to a few of the sailors from different countries that I've been working with, and one of one of the things is that nobody they're all racing poor. Typically, in an Olympic cycle, you'll Everyone travels around the world, races against each other at different World Cups and stuff. So, and in New Zealand, we've been very isolated. The Europeans have been sailing against each other, um, but we haven't been able to go up and travel with and and train with them. So, we our team basically had a, a year and a half at home, sailing by themselves and with their training partners. But it's easy to go down a path like it is in any sport that might not be quite the right path. And I think, in the in, for the most part. We did very, very well out of it. Um, but those little things that you get when you're playing or racing all the time, we're a bit rusty on, and I think it's shown, to be honest. So, Would you also add to that that maybe the standard right now of the inter- international competitions at a very, very high standard? Absolutely. Well, it's, it's at Olympic, Olympic year, it's never not high. Um, but I think what bolstered it is that typically at the end of a four-year cycle you end up getting a another another group of youngsters coming through um, who are who are pushing those for those top spots for the next olympic cycle and because the olympics got postponed that sort of doubled the fleet sizes and the numbers went up and so for the europeans and um which who have the biggest fleets in sailing They've had massive competition and re- at a high calibre of competition, which while we've been locked up in New Zealand has sort of probably been a little bit of our downfall. Uh, Josh Jr., Dan, is fourth heading into his double points medal race, so he's not far off the pace in the Finn class. Any else Team UK sailor? Remember this name, Giles. Jo- what's that? Josh, yeah, Josh has got a great shot. He's, he's there. Yeah. I, I think he'll... I, I think he can do it. He's got all the makings to do it. And, um, yeah, like you say, Giles Scott, Ineos UK tactician, current Olympic gold medalist from Rio. Um, he's pretty well got the gold medal sewn up, but Josh has got plenty to play for today. How does he go about it? Does he have to be ultra-aggressive, or, or, or what would the tactics be heading out? I think Josh is, Josh is not a... His strength is not uh, boat-on-boat tactical positioning. Josh's strength is his boat speed and his ability to execute. And so I think he has to just execute his own perfect race. And if he sails the shortest distance to the mark and, and, the, and use his boat speed, he will be right in the money. That's his strength. Um, and you play to your strengths, right? So that's Joel Scott. What about Pete, uh, Pete and Blair? What, what do you think their tactics will be? Well, they're—I mean, they're pretty—they're in a really fortunate position where they're pretty brilliant across the board. If they get into a dog fight with one boat, they've got all the skills. If they have to get into a boat race, like a, a straight line drag race, they have the skills to do that as well. So, 
they're kind of like going into a golf game with a full 18 clubs in their bag, and they and they're ready for everything. Whereas Josh is a little bit more, he's missing a couple of clubs, I suppose, but um, he's got all the skills to pull it off. That's for sure. Outstanding, Dan. It's exciting times, and hopefully the lads can all get up and, and give us something to smile about again tonight as this golden run continues. You go back to your pizza, pasta, and oh, Peroni, awesome. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, guys. No, no, no worries. Dan Slater, it's outstanding. Jeez, what do I give to be in Italy eating pizza right about now, Bez? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Although the COVID situation's a bit tough over there. New Zealand's a pretty good place to be living right now, but yeah. He went, he wasn't too complimentary of the of the runners, was he? <laughs> Even though they've now got the Olympic gold medalists in the hundred meter men's sprint. Oh, I still can't believe that one. That's extraordinary. Isn't it? Isn't it? Jamaica, the Jamaican flag has fallen. Well, not in the women's. They've trifected that. Uh, 11 minutes away from 9 o'clock. That's when Ian Smith steps in. After this, we're going to sleep on it with Smithy. Five and a half minutes away till we head down to the Hawke's Bay. Beautiful country, of course. And Ian Smith joins us. It's time for Sleep On It. Thanks to Temper. They've got mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases which conform to the exact shape of your body for unrivaled comfort and support. Baz. Good morning, Smithy. I have a very interesting question for you. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it because I'm in the mood for it. <laughs> Good man, your studio looks fantastic too with that pop plant. So this is from Todd. Uh, good morning, guys. Loving the show. Just wondering, do you guys think Michael Venus is now our greatest ever tennis player? He's won a major, made a Wimbledon final, is now an Olympic medalist. Could be an interesting sleep on it question. I couldn't agree more, and hence why I'm asking you, Smitty. Do you think Michael Venus is now our greatest ever tennis player? We'll hear from you on that one tomorrow. But how, how's your show panning out? Look, today, very busy, eh, Mondays? Mondays are, are cool. It's only our third Monday doing it, but I've realised that Monday is a uh, key day in New Zealand sport because it's review time, but, of course, it's preview time as well uh, with the Olympics being on. So uh, straight after 9 o'clock, I have the Deputy Prime Minister, but also the Minister of Sport, uh, Grant Robertson, uh, with me on the show, and that should be good. Baz, you could stick good around because he's also man. the Minister of Racing. You could have a crack, yeah. You have a crack if you like. He also went uh, to my school down in South in, the, in South Dunedin, so there you go. Again, New Zealand strikes. <laughs> Carla Hohepa, uh, former Blackfern, on the wonderful performance um, of, uh, of course, our Blackfern Sevens team. She was uh, knows most of them very, very well, so that'll be cool. Timmy Warren comes in um, after 10 o'clock from Australia. All Blacks Wallabies at the weekend, so that's cool. Uh, a panel... Uh, again this morning, then Louis, uh, Paul Mawadi from the TAB, Vossi on some interesting results in the Rugby League over the weekend. We're going to talk to uh, Val Adams, coach Dale Stevenson, post her performance, and of course previewing uh, his other charge, Tom Walsh, uh, as well in the men's shot put. And uh, right at the very end of the show, a really cool interview with uh, Kafina Woodman, of course, father of Portia Woodman. And so he'll be bursting with pride, I'm sure, on what his uh, fantastic daughter's been able to achieve and his part of that as well, Bass. So I've been listening on and off to you guys. At the week. I don't like to listen to your whole show because it demoralises me. It's so classy. Uh, so I, I just wanted to know, uh, so far, your favourite medal? Your favourite medal so far? Uh, my favourite medal would have to be Emma Twig so far. I think that was that yeah. was quite a remarkable performance from where she 
where she was to where she's got to now. But what about you, mate? Yeah, I think right up there. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the 1972 eight men's eight. Uh, and, you know, it's so spectacular. So that, to me, was uh, a really, really big performance. So uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to sort of to separate them because they're all in their own right, such wonderful achievements, and you can't go better than gold. So the Black Ferns, I thought they, they were my favourite going into it, but, boy, they had to work hard in the latter parts of the tournament to actually get to that point. I uh, don't think once the, the whistle, you know, started for the final, I don't think that was ever in doubt. I thought they were way, way too classy for France. Uh, so, yeah, hey, mate, it's been fantastic. And more to come. Lisa Carrington today, hey? How good that? Wow. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. And three golds over the weekend as well, plus the host of other amazing performances. And, I mean, when you sort of put in perspective that we've, we've only won 50 gold medals in the history of our, of our Olympic career, and for three to unfold over the course of a weekend, it's pretty significant, right? Yep. Oh, I think so. I, I really do. So uh, that, for me... That it's, just, it's been a, a really total team effort. Uh, but I think tonight, I'll be honest with you, tonight with uh, Laurel Hubbard uh, around about uh, 10.30, I think, or 10.50 tonight, I think probably one of the most talked about performances. I just wonder how many New Zealanders will be watching, how many people will be watching. I think a lot, Smithy, and I think that's going to be a very hot one for you in the morning on 0800 That was Sleep On It with Temper and Mattress like no other and today has been a show like none other because I've I've just been well we've both been so lucky just to sit here and revel in our um, athletes reflected success Baz and I guess this is the perk of the job really yeah it sure is mate it's just been one of those days where you can look back on our athletes and say a job well done and as Smitty said there is still more to come as well so make sure you stay tuned to Smitty from 9 till 12 and then Mark Stafford who will shorter pique a little bit of your interest as well after that and then later on will be the beaver for drive so that's all on SENZ a massive thank you to all of our guests today as well it's been a privilege and a pleasure being able to share these positive vibes with everyone we want to champion our champions and what better day to do it after three gold medals and a ton of performances that we can be proud of a big thanks to all of our team obviously Louis to Trudy to Karen to Joe and we have Izzy back tomorrow we can't wait to see him from all of us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.